Hello and welcome. My name's Jack and welcome to my Nostalgia Podcast. This is Jack's Throwback Attack. So up next, I have with me someone who wrote and starred in his very own TV show on CITV in the 1990s, and he's here to tell us his story about the show and how it came about and what it was like to make. From Snug and Cosy, it's Richard Vobes. Hello. Hello. And how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Um, it's very nice to talk to you, Jack. Good, good, good. So let's start right off at the beginning. What were you doing prior to Snug and Cosy? Ah, well, before Snug and Cosy, that's going back, isn't it? Um, Well, I've always been into entertaining uh, things like circus skills, juggling, unicycling, mime, robotics. I've eaten fire, walked on a slack rope, um, walked on broken glass, all those sort of things. A lot of corporate events um, and and all that sort of things, gala shows. um, Used to do an act as crazy waiters and say I'd pretend to be a waiter. I wasn't a real waiter. And you'd just mull in with everybody else and pretend to be like one of the waiting staff. But as the evening progressed, you just got more and more silly until people were um, disbelieving that an employee would perform in that way. But anyway, that's another story. So tell me, how did the show Snug and Cosy come about? Oh, how did the show come about? Well, um, ever since a kid, I've been interested in um, children's television um, and making my own stuff. I've been writing uh, ideas for children's television and stories and that sort of thing, and I've been mucking about with Super 8 film and those sort of things, um, recording my own voice on reel-to-reel tape recorder. And it just so happened I was making... I I was trying to make a film, actually, it was a ghost story, and I met up with an old mate of mine who we'd gone to drama courses, Nigel Cooper, who subsequently played Cozy in the series. And... Excuse me. And I I had this sort of bee in my bonnet about we could do a, a kid's program together he was an ambulance driver at the time and and I said well let's just make a pilot and see and I had this idea about two spacemen who had crashed into a furniture shop and it was actually on the way to doing um, a tv extra job where I was doing a walk-on part that I'd passed this uh, furniture shop called something like snug and cozy furnishings And I thought it would be interesting because if a a couple of spacemen crashed into a furniture shop and they wanted to disguise themselves and give themselves names, they they might just look at the name of the furniture shop and and sort of think, oh, snug, that's a good name, cosy, that's a good name, and think that that would be enough to blend in. So that's effectively how the the genesis, if you like, of the of the program happened. Of course, by the time it got to children's television and ITV, a lot of those elements had been gone. But um, sometimes you you work like that. You work with a premise and you tweak it and tweak it and you take out various things. And actually, you can often take out the very, the very kernel of genius that uh, started the show. Very true. It does happen. Uh, but how did you pitch the idea of the show to the TV companies? Well, in those days, of course there was really only the four channels. We're talking about 1994. 
it was, and there was ITV, BBC and Channel and, and Channel 4, but there was BBC One and BBC Two. <clears throat> there wasn't really satellite television. None of those had really taken off, and cable and all, all those things were, were not really anything, as I remember back then. And, and really, there was either BBC, children's BBC, or there was children's ITV. So ITV was a weird setup because the ITV was cut uh, was divided into regions of the British Isles so you would have down where I was um when it went from southern tv to um meridian which was a, a strange name um and then you had places like granada and yorkshire television and scottish television and so and grampian and um Anglian TV. So you had all these different regions. And so on ITV, instead of um, broadcasting exactly the same content as you would on BBC, you had this very odd setup that um, they would be dividing, but mainly for um, for local programming. Anyway, children's television tended to be a network of these programmes and they would all sell their ideas to what was then called the ITV network and the ITV network would say whether they wanted a program or not and then whatever was selected would be scheduled on this children's ITV that everybody would get no matter where you lived but they might be made by lots of different companies and so i think we sent out about 8 VHS if you remember VHS showreels of an original pilot that we made so we shot this pilot um, on film, funnily enough, uh, not on video, on film, and um, it, we spent quite a lot of money on it. Um, and then we we sent these out on, with a speculative letter saying, "Dear sir, you know, here's a television program. What do you think?" Two were interested. Both of them ITV companies. One was Scottish Television, and the other was Granada, which um, was up in Manchester. And so. We went to see both of these companies who were interested in our little 10-minute uh, comedy slapstick programme. And um, on both both the uh, the commissioning editors of the, of the children's department had a chat with us. And actually, it was Scottish television who seemed to be offering us a lot more uh, that we would get for going with them. So they, they dropped the carrot and we were lured by the carrot. Actually, I wish we'd gone with Granada now because I think we would have had a better chance. But anyway, um, we went up there, we pitched it, and, and in the end, Scottish Television sort of, as I say, gave us the best options. And so we signed the contract with them. And how did you feel when Scottish Television decided to pick up the show and make the programme? So, yes, yeah, so Scottish Television took the show... And at the time, we thought it was great. We thought um, we didn't mind that it was going to be in Scotland as long. I, I had this image of where the action was going to take place was a very sort of picture chocolate box, picture perfect type of village, you know, thatched cottages and telephone boxes, very rural southern England, actually. But I, I figured that Scotland must surely look a bit like that. I didn't I'd never really been to Scotland in any great amount I think had been to Stirling before then and I assumed that there was going to be lovely chocolate box um, type villages there and I'm sure there are of course in actual fact it was Glasgow and and out in the outskirts of Glasgow I think we filmed in Paisley and around there and actually uh, the weather was bleak 
uh, wasn't particularly friendly. And the uh, the architecture was also bleak and also not very friendly. So that was a bit of a shame. However, um, we we went with them um, because we were offered so much. In the event, I have to say that they weren't brilliant company to work with from our point of view because they seemed to promise a whole load of things and then um, negated on all those after the event and to the point that um, I hadn't quite signed the contract because I was slightly concerned about how they had taken away many of the things they had promised and um, eventually I had this conversation but you said we could have this and we could have this and the executive producer, whose name I won't mention for the sake of um, argument here, but he turned round to me and bluntly said, well, do you want to be on television or don't you? And it was as, it was as blunt as that. And we felt that we were shoehorned into something that we weren't really happy to do um, contract-wise. But, you know, it was a valid point. Do we want to be on telly? We thought, well, it's the first of many programmes that we're going to come up with. So, yeah, OK. You know, what could possibly go wrong, we thought. So for those who don't know or may not remember, um, what was Snug and Cosy all about? I always tell people it's Laurel and Hardy in spacesuits. It's these two comedy slapstick uh, aliens who have their own language. They they, they speak in gog- gobbledygook. The reason for that is we'd seen how successful Pingu had been and we wanted this little 10-minute slapstick programme to be able to sell round the world. It was money, really. We just thought it would be... But also, we, you know, why settle for just one country? I mean, these days, most people who stick stuff on YouTube know that people are watching from all over the world. And we sort of wanted the same thing. We wanted this programme to to sell and sell and lots of people see it because we thought it was going to be very funny and that kids would enjoy it. So it was about these two aliens, as I said before, they crash land on Earth. They're actually on holiday. They're from a planet called Squodge and they're on their way to holiday. They smash into an asteroid, crash land into an allotment on the planet Earth in England uh, or Scotland, as it happened. And they mistake these um, potting sheds in the allotment as holiday chalets. They think they're holiday homes. And although a bit primitive, they think, oh, OK, so we, we haven't gone too far. We may as well just stay here and have fun. That was that was the premise. They get found by a little girl called Emily. She decides to hide them in her garden shed and look after them, not telling anybody about it. Now, I don't suppose you could do that in this PC world that we have these days, but in those days, it was the sense that, you know, if you were a kid and you found a couple of aliens, no matter that they were a bit bumbling and stupid, it would be quite fun to to keep them in a, in a secret place. Um, so, you know, a bit like Cat Weasel, in as much as uh, the character called Carrot in Cat Weasel had found... Uh, the travelling magician who travelled through time and then hid him in a uh, a water um, what do you got a water tank a raised water tank wasn't it um, anyway water tower I think they call it so just to clarify which part did you play and which part did your friend Nigel play um, I played Snug who was the thin of the characters the thinner. And uh, my mate Nigel, Nigel Cooper, he played Cozy. He was a, a larger, and of course Cozy was the boss. So he would be the one who would tell Snuggy what to do. So what was it like having a TV company take on your idea and make it and develop it? I suppose having a, a 
you know, professional bunch of TV people making your programme, in theory, ought to be a very good thing. Um, it, it, and it would have been if we didn't know anything about making programmes ourselves. And in fact, because I was a very keen filmmaker myself and was making all sorts of bits and pieces anyway, I was astutely aware how you make things. And, and I also, being a performer, knew how the jokes, the slapstick gags, were supposed to play out. And what was very frustrating was that I thought that these guys, because they were professionals and would know exactly what they're doing because they make children's television all the time, would really know how to do it, help me get better at what I do and make an excellent job. Sadly, nothing could be further from the truth. And in fact, it transpired that the first director we had on series one had never done anything uh, out of a studio and this was all out of a studio in series one. It was all location-based. He'd never done anything like drama way, um, with a single camera shoot. He had only ever done game shows with multiple cameras and in a studio environment where you cut with on a vision mixing basis where you've got a bank of uh, camera shots and you go, yeah, cut to one, cut to two, cut to one, cut back to three, cut to one. That's what he'd done. We were out in the in the real world filming like you do a drama with one or two cameras and he'd never done it. And uh, that showed... And it was so frustrating because he didn't really have a clue. And it's amazing that the programmes even hung together. So I was bitterly disappointed at how it came out, in, in fact. It's a great shame that uh, that was your experience of making the programme. But were there any moments in filming which you did enjoy? One of my fondest memories was we'd written this stunt... Each each of the episodes had different stunts in them and mostly we weren't allowed to do them. Um, and I, it was a shame because I remember watching the Chuckle Brothers at the time and they would fall over and things like that, but they would always fall over out of vision. You'd see them stumble with something and you would hear them crash because they were relatively old even when we were filming and they never really did the actual um, stunts. And I was determined to show the kids the stunts. So one of the stunts we had was, um, this was actually in series two, Snug and Cozy were in a removal van. Emily and her family were moving house and we were moving with her. And we'd hidden inside a removal van and we hid under the covers on a double bed. And the, the, the joke was that uh, the house was on a hill and when the removal men took the double bed out of the house, it was on casters, it went down the ramp, they lost grip of it and it hurtled down a hill. And we, as the two aliens, discover that our bed is now hurtling down the hill out of control. And we look out from underneath the covers, completely petrified, unable to get off of this move, fast-moving bed. And it goes flying into a car wash, which immediately turns on with the big foam rubbers that come up and down and we get immersed in foam. That was the idea. And there was such a hoo-ha about whether we could do it or not do it. Would we be allowed to? Would it be dangerous? And I remember going up there for the recce beforehand, um, before we did the filming, to look at the locations and uh, give my ten pennies worth. Uh, and, and we went to this car wash um that we were going to take the bed and have it go flying into and they said well look if we film it like this we could film it so it looks like 
uh, it's gone in, but you don't actually have to get in there and you don't actually have to get wet. And they were going to put the camera behind it a long way away with a long lens and stuff. And I said, well, that just looks like it's been fudged. They said, well, you can't, you know, really go in because it's too dangerous. So I said to the garage owner who happened to be there, I said, could you switch the car wash on? So he, he put it on. Now, I was just wearing jeans and um, a T-shirt or a shirt or whatever. Um, and... I just walked into this moving car wash that was squirting water and I stood there and let these buffers, you know, the big round brushes, swirling brushes, these buffers just come right up to me because I was convinced that it wasn't going to be dangerous because if you can stick a car in and it doesn't scratch a car uh, and that's an immovable thing, if I'm if I'm aware of where it's going, plus the fact we're sitting on a bed, uh, we're, we're hardly likely actually to get hurt or anything. And, and in fact... Uh, having proved it was okay, um, then we were allowed to do it. So that's, yeah, that was one of, we had many. I mean, another one was carrying a rocket, not a full-size rocket, but quite a big rocket. It was about eight, nine feet uh, tall on my back up a, a hill, a steep hill called the Campses. And uh, yeah, that was quite fun. Uh, in that episode, I think Cozy was, uh, we'd built a rocket to get back, but only Cozy could fit in it. And so uh, poor old Snug was going to have to stay behind. That was, I think, the concept of that. It was such a long time ago now. And at the time when Snug and Cozy was on CITV, did you appear on any other shows to promote the programme? Yeah, we did. We did appear on other ITV shows. We appeared on uh, three that I recall. Um, I think it was Goggle Watch we appeared on in uh, in a one week of comedy slapstick. We were, I think, we were doing a um, wallpaper sketch, but. Uh, yeah, we did a bit of that. We also appeared on Scratchy and Co, which was a Saturday morning program with Mark Spate. Um and we appeared on that several times causing chaos and mayhem wherever we went. And also with um Timmy Mallet on Timmy Towers, uh which was in front of a, a live studio audience and um we, we I think we did can't remember I think we did two of those if I remember rightly so that was all good fun so appearing on Scratchy and Co and Timmy Towers men that you worked alongside the late great Mark Spate what was he like to work with yes we worked with the the great Mark Spate um Mark was a, a very nice chap I remember he had a sports car which um I mean he was very successful and was making a load of money and we were incredibly envious I remember because he would turn up with this amazing sports car and uh, he was very talented, of course. And um, he was very friendly and he would chat to us for ages. And he was very interested in what we were doing because he found that um, very interesting, very different from his style of uh, performance. So, yeah, we had uh, we had good time uh, with him Um, and on uh, on the Timmy Towers, of course, he played the uh, the evil villain and was in the sort of dark green, um, swampy type studio set. Um, and yeah, it was they were they were they were good fun times. He was a great bloke. Mark certainly was uh, fantastic and very talented. Now, from what I understand, Snug and Cozy was very popular on CITV during its run, but it only ran for two series. Why was its run cut so short? When we had Snug and Cozy go out the first series. 
I think people were a bit unsure of what was going to happen to it and whether it was going to be successful or not. But actually, after the six episodes that were the first six episodes that we made, we were patted on the back and told how brilliant we had been because we had a 33 to 34 percent share of the audience. Now, what that means is out of the audience that was going to watch television at any one time, you had four channels um, so if four channels had an equal amount of audience, you'd have 25% of that audience each. Now, there were only two real channels that people were watching en masse at that time, and that was the BBC and the I, I, ITV. And I think um, we were getting more... I don't know what the BBC were getting, something... Um, I, I can't remember what we were put up against, but we were getting 33 to 34% um percent of the of the audience which meant we were getting a, a bigger proportion than we should have done or wasn't expected and and the powers that be were very very happy and that was great so series two was commissioned and we we made series two we had a, an even worse um director producer but let's not go into that that was a terrible story but again we were doing incredibly well um and that was all going well and I would I wrote series three it hadn't been commissioned, but I'd written series three with a car, a snug and cozy build this car. I wanted to um, build on what we were doing and have more stunts and more fun and, and actually really take it somewhere. And series three would have been a, an, an amazing series had we have made it. And there was every chance that it was going to grow and grow. And we would have theatre shows and a bit like the Chuckle Brothers and we would be, you know, working for the rest of our time and, and all of that. Um, however, there was political manoeuvres going on. So there was, um, I won't mention names, but there was a chap at ITV who left ITV to join Scottish Television who had commissioned, who had been the producers of our show. And this chap, who had left ITV, brought with him a number of titles, i.e. programmes, such as How To, which used to be an ITV uh, programme shot at Meridian, and then he took it up to Scotland, and it was then shot there so that they were making the money from it. So it was it was um, a big, big thing when you got a, an executive from one station to move somewhere else, and with him he was able to take a number of these programmes, which made Scottish television a lot of money. Well, this guy was then subsequently fired from Scottish television, and they kept the titles and were still making money out of these titles. But this bloke didn't just disappear. He ended up as a commissioning editor on the ITV network. In other words, he was the one that then decided what programmes from all the ITV channels would make it to children's ITV. And as a consequence of being kicked out in an unceremonious way from Scottish television... He had a chip on his shoulder. And so he looked at the um, programmes that ITV, that Scottish ITV were pitching again for renewal. And there were a number of them. Um, and we were one of them. And because we were only in our second series, we weren't big enough to automatically go through no matter what, because it made commercial sense. And there were a number of other programmes in a similar uh, situation and he just said, do you know what? 
We're not going to have Snug and Cozy. We're not going to have the Hurricanes. We're not going to have something, the Donkey, whatever it was called. And there was a number of others. And we were all just not recommissioned. It wasn't that we weren't good. It's just that this guy decided, hmm, I'm going to have programmes not from them, but from a different, from the other channels, new programmes. And in fact, they commissioned something called... um, Mooney and McGee, which which replaced us and was awful, I have to say. It was absolutely dreadful, um, really grim. Anyway, so we never got our third series and we never we never made it. That is a great shame, but I will agree on Mooney and McGee not being that great. So since uh, Snug and Cozy finished on CITV, did you try pitching any other new ideas to the TV companies? Well, we did try pitching to other companies, yes, but it's a weird thing. Once you're not on television, you're yesterday's news. We were pitching ideas and things nearly, you know, things nearly came about. um, But in the end, uh, they don't. And if they don't, it's not paying the mortgage. And I guess also there was a bit of disillusionment. So since your days in television, what have you been up to? Um, So, yes, in that interim time, um, which has been a long time, I've been doing all sorts of bits and pieces. I was pitching to grown up television, lots of ideas for that. Um, I've been making a series called The Bold Explorer, which was uh, did go on television on the Community Channel, uh, which is a satellite channel. Um, and I'm now running a much, much happier, actually, not working with television producers and all the people who pull your idea apart and tell you how you should do it. And you know that they're wrong and you know it's not as funny as it could be. Um, you don't have the money, of course, not as much money. And it's uh, sometimes it can be a strain, but you're the boss. And that is, of course, the wonderful thing that is YouTube. And so I have a YouTube channel. I do the Bald Explorer and I do something called The Vogue Show, which started out as a podcast. Excuse me. I was um, the fourth UK podcaster to get going in this country. Podcasting started in America um, around about the end of 2004. And in January 2005 when um, I decided I would start podcasting because I thought I could see that it had a future and that it was going to be a new type of uh, medium. There were three other guys doing interesting things, but not really a show. And so I launched initially, it was the Richard Vobes radio show, but it soon became The Vobe Show. And it was uh, a daily 30-minute uh, load of nonsense, fun, you know, like a BBC Two breakfast show, really. Uh, with all sorts of things from murder um, investigations to beer tasting uh, to travelling and uh, looking at history to readings from uh, book reviews uh, and so on and so forth and comedy, mirth and merriment. And I ran that for about 10 years but um, the the audience plateaued out in the end. The sort of uh, podcasting changed a bit Um and and I, I dropped out of that, which was stupid, really, because the smartphone suddenly came in, which revived podcasts, because everybody had to have an iPod or an MP3 player. And you had to have this thing called an aggregator or uh, an I, I, a podcast catcher. And people didn't know what a podcast was back then. Now, of course, people do know what a podcast is, and it's so much easier. Um, so yes, my uh, my Bald Explorer stuff is going from strength to strength. We're doing Facebook live shows um, uh, once, twice, three times a week. 
um, and and all sorts of bits and pieces like that, really. And you can, you know, just look up baldexplorer.com and you'll find it all there. Well, Richard, it's been great chatting to you and hearing your story and the best of luck in the future with your projects. Cheers. Well, it's been it's been an absolute joy uh, talking to you, Jack. Thank you very much. Um, and good luck with everything that you do. Mm-hmm.